0: Welcome to the Christian Ministry Church Podcast. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Now for today's sermon by Pastor Tim Brooks. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. I want to welcome all of those who are joining us on many different social media platforms. We're glad to have you joining us today. And we're praying that God touch you in a special, special way. Today we want to pick up right where we left off. Last week, talking about the Ten Commandments, it's tragic. I don't even know how to say it. It's just tragic when churches, when pastors foster confusion on the role of the Ten Commandments in the life of the New Covenant Christian. Absolutely, no doubt about it, no question, we are saved By grace. Write that down. Pastor Tim said, We are saved by grace. We are not saved by keeping of the law. But the picture of our salvation was given to us in the Old Testament as Moses delivered God's kids, the Hebrews, from slavery in Egypt. We see the blueprint for the coming new covenant. Now, it was all grace. It was all grace that God delivered the Hebrews. He raised up Moses. Moses went in. The Hebrews were enslaved, and they could not free themselves. They were helpless. It was all God's grace, all his mercy, that miraculously delivered from bondage. After their deliverance, after their salvation... After God's grace is shown and demonstrated, then God gives the Ten Commandments on how we are to live. How is the saved, the delivered, the the born again, how are they to live their daily lives? Absolutely, we don't gain access to God by keeping the law. After receiving God's grace through Jesus, Now, here's the way you daily live. Today, we're not talking about what happens for us by God's grace. Our forgiveness, our being washed clean, old things passing away, we are born again, all that is by grace. Now, I'm going over and over and over this because I don't want no hate emails. Don't don't email me about what Pastor Tim teaches on. I'm telling you, I believe in grace. We teach grace. We're saved by grace. What we're talking about now is, how do I live? Now, I can't reteach all last week. We set up the Ten Commandments. Go back and listen to that. Now that you've received God's grace, now let's move on. Well, Tim, you you seem to teach on this one sermon all the time. I've heard you teach this one sermon over and over and over. Well, to that accusation, I say, yes, I do. And I will add to that, I'm going to do so more often than I've ever done before. We're going to do, because as this culture continues to turn up its efforts to destroy everything about how God would have us live, then we're going to have to turn up our efforts on, here's how God said to live. Here's the way this works. Very interesting, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, Paul warns Timothy as Timothy is leading the church. Chapter 4, verse 3, listen carefully. A time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound, wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Hello. That time is here. <laughs> I mean, that Time is here, people following their own desires, well, I feel well, I personally feel well, I think their own sexual desires, their own carnal nature desires. We are following those completely and totally led by carnal nature desires. Then I have to start looking for a church. I look for teachers that'll tell me what I want to hear. That doesn't contradict what my fleshly carnal nature wants to do. And now there are more and more pastors willing to do so. Great men that I have looked up to for many, many years. Books that I have studied and read. Standing before their congregations and apologizing. Apologizing for being narrow-minded to being so restrictive, apologizing to their church for preaching the Bible, apologizing and backing up on what the Bible says. Now, now it's easy to see. No one's sin nature wants to hear the Ten Commandments. So, if I want to build a big church... If I want to keep people coming, if I want to take up large, big offerings, i got to tell them what they want to hear. And a man in adultery does not want to go to a church that preaches the commandment of God that says you must not commit adultery. I mean, this is easy to see. So we're going to find us a church that will tell me the Ten Commandments are in the Old Testament. They're not in the New. As I say, we may never have a mega church here, but this church is going to tell you not what your itching ears want to hear, but this church is going to tell you what God said. And we're not backing up on what God said. Here's what God says. Now, why do we harp on this? Why am I saying that every single week? Why are we harping on staying biblical? Why are we harping on guarding our faith? Because it brings a lifestyle that God blesses. It brings a lifestyle that God blesses. And I can't lead people into a lifestyle that I know God's curses. I can't lead you. Oh, yeah, you're okay. You're okay. When I know you're not okay. This church has got to guard our faith because there is a lifestyle that God's blessings are on. Don't ever... Just don't you say Tim is judgmental. Don't you ever say that Tim is just too black and white. I'm leaving that church because he's just too intolerant. I don't know if you've noticed this in Exodus chapter 20. That's not my 10. I, I didn't give these 10. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. I'm just the reporter today telling you, Here's what God said. So don't tell people that you had to leave that church because I was just too black and white. All I want to do is tell you what God said. And God's pretty black and white. God's pretty black and white. When you read the first part of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, I want all of you to be there. After God's miraculous grace and mercy saved his people, he gives... In Exodus chapter 20, the 10 commandments, they're not the 10 suggestions, they're the 10 commandments, here's how you live. Let's look at this. Commandment number one, verse two and three, I am the Lord your God, do not worship any other gods before me. He alone is God, and he alone is to be worshiped. That's not inclusive. That's very exclusive. And you need to know that. You need to know that straight up. And here's what I want you to think about. Look at world history. Every nation that has been, every tribe that has been, look at every nation right now that has other gods and see what those gods have done for the life of the people that live there. Calcutta, India, right now, every day, they drive trucks up and down the street. Those that die of starvation, which is just uncountable, they just die of starvation and they lay in the street. There are trucks that drive up and down the street, throwing the dead bodies into the trucks and hauling them off. Their religion teaches them they're gonna come back. They're gonna come back and so we've got cows walking all through the streets. All through the streets. And we will die of starvation rather than have a filet mignon because that might be grandmother. I mean, you've got to look at what this religion teaches. dying of starvation. Haiti. Half of the country prays to Satan. Black magic has the largest percentage of population in Haiti than any other place in the world. Haiti has the worst poverty in the Western Hemisphere. You're not going to do anything about Haiti's poverty until you change the religion that's producing that. You look at Hindus. Their religion produces a class system. And study how those people live. Muslims, we just had the anniversary of 9-11. Perfect demonstration of a religion that kills infidels to please their God and advance their position in life after life here. To advance their religion, they do so by ethnic cleansing of tens of hundreds of thousands in mass graves that they just bury with bulldozers. Don't tell me all religions are the same, nor do they produce the same results in the people's lives that are under them. And I'm warning this culture, pluralism, tolerance, acceptance of all religions, you better look at the life that that religion produces for the culture of the people that live in it. Look at what that religion does. Look at how it treats people. Look at how it values life. Look at its quality of health. Look at its economy. And look at how it treats women. Women, just FYI, just FYI, Christianity exalts women to the highest place of honor above any other religion. Some years back, Terry and I were on a plane for 13 hours and flew to another country. And as we were getting off of that plane, you can know everybody wants off of a plane that's been there 13 hours. I get that. And I could tell by the dress and by this guy that he was not a Christian. And we were both going up to the door at the same time. And what little I do know about their religion, women are to walk 10 feet behind with their head covered and their head bowed. They are to walk behind the men. And this, this man walked and bumped my wife, pushed her to the side as he was going to that door. And I put my hand on his shoulder. And as his eyes and my eyes met, all I could think about was pastor imprisoned (laughs) in foreign nation. (laughs) And I looked at him and he looked at me and I said, we all want off of this plane. But my wife's walking out first. That's what Christianity teaches. Before you, all religions are the same. No, they're not women. They're not all the same, and you above everybody don't need to be saying all religions are basically the same. Here's what I want you to know. He alone is God. He alone is God. There are no other gods before him, and you can study every tribe, every religion, every world power. I want to make sure you see what that religion produces. He alone is God. Verse 4, 5, and 6. The second, do not make any idols of any kind. Never worship or bow down to idols. I can't imagine getting some brass and some gold and some wood and some knives and carve out a statue and then everybody bow down and start worshiping it. I can't imagine that. But even today, it may not be a statue in your house. But could it be your worship in money? Could it be your worship in a car or a house or prestige? Oftentimes, a mother worships a child, and a child becomes the center of her life. That home revolves around, and we call it a child-centered home. I'm just telling you, it's not my opinion today. You study every culture, society, nation, idolatry, And what that produces is not a civilization that you would want to live in. Verse 7, number 3. Do not take God's name in vain. Absolutely profanity. Clearly, absolutely, you're not supposed to take God's name in vain in your daily language in profanity. But just think about, just think about, Professing God, being in church, wearing cross ear earrings, and you doing shoddy work. Think about professing God and you only work seven and a half hours, but you turned in eight hours on your timesheet. Paul and I had an experience here just a couple of weeks ago. We noticed the workers in this on this job site got finished. At about two o'clock and if you get in your truck and you go back then they're gonna send you out on another job and these workers sat there in the air condition for an hour and a half messing around on their phones and then loaded up about 3 30 to head back to work and they sat there for two hours on their boss's time or you profess to be a Christian Yet this is what you, see, you can take God's name in vain in many more ways than just in profanity. What are the words of the song you're listening to? What? What, what did you hear? Did you hear the words of that song? I mean, what? Inter, you, you were in church on Sunday and you were entertaining yourself in what venue? Are you taking God's name In vain. Number four, verse eight. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We're to work six days and to rest one. Many of us grew up under the blue law. How many in here remember the blue law or even know what that means? Wave your hand. You know what the blue law is? There was a law for a couple of hundred years in this nation that forbid working on Sunday. They didn't now, there were some exceptions for health care, and there were a few exceptions, but there was a law called the Blue Law. You didn't work on Sunday. Now, we put this picture up last week. Can we get the Supreme Court picture up again? Right here, the front of our nation's Supreme Court. You walk in the front door. And many of you can't see what's in the eve of the Supreme Court. So we blew it up and put it up on top for you to see. In the eve of the Supreme Court, in concrete, is Moses sitting there holding the two tablets, the Ten Commandments. Now, I don't know how our justice walked under that, in that building... And in 1961, huge legal battle in our Supreme Court, and the justices voted to abolish the blue law and allow work to take place on Sunday. Okay. So now, years later, another generation later, we have all-time highs of stress level of nervous breakdowns, anxiety medicine. We didn't have anxiety medication back here. I mean, anxiety medicine is unbelievable. Look what has happened in the number and the amount of emotional disorders since people stopped taking a day of rest and honoring God. Stop what you're doing and you rest one day and you honor God. Think about the change that would make in this culture and in all of these disorders that we're treating today if you took a day off and you rested and you honored God. It'd line up a whole lot of things on the inside of you. The first four of the Ten Commandments are about our relationship with God. Number one, no other gods before Him, you don't worship idols. Number three, you don't misuse his name. Number four, you honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Those four are about our relationship with God. Now we're going to go to the next six. And this pertains to our relationship, our duties and our relationship with one another. Don't ever let somebody tell you that the Ten Commandments are not in the New Testament because Jesus quoted the Ten Commandments in the New Testament. If you'll remember, they said, Jesus, what is the greatest? I mean, what's the number one commandment? Y'all know what he said. Jesus said what? Love the Lord. I mean, heart, soul, mind. You love God with everything within you. And then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. There's your Ten Commandments in a sentence. There is your Ten Commandments. The first four about loving God with everything within you. And then the next six are if we would love people like we would love ourselves, it would change everything. That is the Ten Commandments in a couple of sentences when Jesus said that. Now let's move on to this next section. Number five, verse 12. Honor your father and mother... As the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you. The fifth commandment is the basis for society. Many of you probably don't even remember this name, but he's a former Secretary of Education, William Bennett. Years and years ago, I read a lot that he wrote, studied him uh, when I was looking at our school and the function of our school, William Bennett. Here's a quote. The traditional American family is the first, best, and original department of health, education, and welfare. Uh, According to God, the fifth commandment is next in line... After him, the first four are about our relationship with him. All right, the very next thing, the next thing, what the first in line of importance is parents. You will never hire enough police to control kids' behavior. We we just we can't watch what goes on on TV that my wife doesn't say. And where is the mom? And where is the dad? I can tell you right now at 3 o'clock in the morning, I wasn't out looting some store. Woo! It's not the police I worry about when I got home. I'm telling you, she used a belt, and she didn't use the end without the buckle. She used the end with the buckle on you. You're not going to control kids' behavior by hiring police. There's got to... Parents are vital to safety and prosperity and success in a society The government cannot create enough agencies to train, raise, care for, feed, house, discipline kids. We can't hire enough agencies to pull that off. This is just simple. A hundred percent of the time you look at any city, look at a city and look in neighborhoods that don't have a strong mom and dad in that home. And you'll look at an area of the city that the gangs rule and the police won't drive through at night. It's unsafe to be in there at night. where are in the section of city that don't have a strong mom and a strong dad in that home. America, our society, this culture is tearing apart the fifth commandment. It's tearing to shreds the fifth commandment. Are we surprised at the violence that we see at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the middle of the night? Where's the mom and dad? Father's drunk, beating the mother. Mother's abandoning the kids. Father's a child molester. we got two fathers. we got two mothers. Kids and parenting have been abandoned by this culture. This culture does not ex- exalt and not promote a father and a mother and the parenting of children. So we've got rest homes that are full of people that never get visited by anybody. No one cares about them. I could go on and on and on. The cost is incalculable. Instead of families doing health, education, and welfare, taking care of their own, we now have a government trying to do something that it can't afford it's not equipped to, and it can't pull off what families are to do. Honor your father and mother. So much I could teach about that God is teaching us in this one commandment. Honor your father and mother. It doesn't say honor your two mothers. It doesn't say honor your two fathers. So I mean, it, it teaches us how we're to. So, supposed to live so that all may go well with you and when you deviate from this all won't go well with you this one commandment changes our world number six verse 13 you shall not murder all right let's keep our thinking straight here God's word commands the execution for certain crimes but God's law forbids murder God does not forbid capital punishment because capital punishment is not murder. Does God does not forbid war in our soldiers to go and protect our peace. A soldier protecting America does not commit murder. Revenge, anger, you're mad at somebody and you go out here and kill them. The sixth commandment says, no, that's not what you do. You don't murder. Let's make sure we understand what murder is and make sure we understand what it's not. Verse 14, number 7. You shall not commit adultery. In the beginning, God said it's not good for man to be alone. So for this cause, a man will leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's the first institution of mankind it's not good that man be alone so God for Adam made Steve no I mean God for Adam made Eve let's make sure we get that let's let, see there's so much that is said right here some of you are sound asleep number five honor your father and mother God is not inclusive God is very exclusive. Here is the way it works. There is a father. There is a mother. And that's what makes up leaving and cleaving. And there is a commitment to father and mother that adultery does not destroy. Now, we got to understand how this works. You shall not commit adultery. Now, it's a very interesting story in Exodus, I mean in Genesis chapter 20, Abraham's wife Sarah was a very beautiful woman and they were traveling and Abraham got scared they were going through this heathen king's area, King Abimelech and he said, look, he may want you and so to get you he may kill me. So you just tell King Abimelech you're my sister so he won't kill me. So, yeah, I'm his sister. So, king took Sarah in, God came to him that night in a dream. Verse 3, it said to the king in a dream, you're a dead man. For that woman is married. That's what God said. God said, you're a dead man. That woman you just brought into your house is married. And if you don't return her, you and your entire household's going to die. Whoa! This heathen king saw the cost of adultery, and he jumps up untouched. He takes Sarah back, and he said, said, what is wrong with you, man? God's going to kill me for taking her. Even a heathen knows adultery is wrong. Even a heathen knows adultery is wrong, When it gets right down to it, this isn't right. And a heathen king knows that. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number seven, don't commit adultery because it tears up the father and the mother and the home. An intact home with a father, mother, and kids that honor and respect their mom and dad. I want to give you some statistics that you're not ever going to hear on CNN. I don't know why they can't just give them to us, except that it goes against their agenda to destroy the home and the family. This is just some statistics. Children from fatherless homes are five times more likely to commit suicide, 32 times more likely to run away, 20 times more likely to have behavioral disorders, 14 times more likely to commit rape. Nine times more likely to drop out of school. Ten times more likely to abuse chemicals. Nine times more likely to end up in a state institution. And 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Whoa. I want you to know 49% of all child abuse comes from single moms. What this culture, what Hollywood is doing to destroy our homes and our families and make it the end thing to do is destroying the fabric of our country. Number seven, you don't commit adultery. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, follow along with me. Number eight, you don't steal. You don't steal. Studies show that the cost of loss in shoplifting is between, between 10 and 12 billion dollars a year. Here's what you got to know a store can't stay open and lose money. So, how do they make up 12 billion dollars a year? Every single thing you and I buy in a store is priced higher than it would be if we didn't have anybody stealing because companies can't go broke so that's gonna have to be passed on very interesting I read some time ago profit at restaurants is 11 percent without theft control profit at restaurants was 30 percent with employee theft control with cameras Count the number of plates, the number of cups, and this girl at McDonald's, how much did you bring in? They're better account for every price of cup and plate that you sold out the window of that store. See, with no theft control, employees' thieving is uncalculatable, and it's passed on to you and I. You drive through McDonald's, you're paying more for your Big Mac because of stealing. You need to know that. Aren't you so glad that wise politicians and judges freed us from the teaching of this archaic stuff in schools? Stolen identities are common today. Stolen credit card numbers, stolen time in wages. All of that is passed down to the daily cost of our living. Thieves, I can tell you right now, ain't nobody going to break into my house Thieves cost everybody, every day, everywhere we go. We're paying for the cost of thieves. Number eight, now that you received God's grace, don't steal. Don't steal. It's not the way you live. Verse 16, the ninth commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Boy, lying has become a lifestyle. And lying has become a way to run our nation. Lying, false testimony in our courts. It's, it's, it's amazing to me how we're just any politician that I want to take out or defeat, then all of these lies, all of these lies, and then they go to court and they're proving lies, and so we just go on and make up more lies. And the cost to taxpayers are millions and millions and millions of dollars while we've got this charade of lying going on. And we're paying for all of this. The cost of false testimony is costing us billions. Each one of us are paying for that. Don't bear. False witness? Number 10, verse 17: You shall not covet. First of all, real quick, I want you to know all coveting is not wrong. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, Paul says, "To covet earnestly the gifts of the Spirit. We can covet the things of God because God is infinite and God is unlimited. So it doesn't take away from somebody for me to get that. So you covet earnestly the things of God. But the 10th commandment forbids coveting what belongs to another person. And daily we see the downfall in stealing and in jealousy and illegal activity coming from a heart full of coveting what somebody else has. Well, there's so much and I, I don't have the time to t- talk about what the 10th commandment teaches us, but... Don't covet. What does that mean? What is God implying? That means you own something. You you own something. Do you understand that? See, I can't covet what you have if you don't own something. So there's so much to talk about. God is against communism. God's against government control. We're supposed to have private property and private ownership. And then he tells me, don't covet what you've worked hard for to get. I work hard for and get mine. Well, there's so much to talk about what God endorses and what He puts His stamp on when we look at just the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. The 10 commandments are, are not religious material that must be taken out of state supported institutions. The, the 10 commandments must be in every classroom in America. They must be taught every school year in every grade in America. They must be hung over every bench that a judge is making rulings on people's lives. Every church all the time must teach the Ten Commandments. Every children's church program has got a center around the instilling of the Ten Commandments into our young kids' lives as they grow up. We can't hire enough police in this country to control human behavior that is unbridled by the Ten Commandments. I want to end today with God's word in Deuteronomy. I set before you life and death. Choose life that you may live. The Ten Commandments are not bondage. They're not legalism. In fact, they're very freeing, for us to live life safe, secure, prosperous, and blessed. The 10 Commandments, it's the way we live. Y'all stand. Lord, today we're grateful for your grace. We're, We're just overwhelmed by your mercy that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And your blood forgave us, washed us clean, Gave us a brand new start. Lord, you looked at us in our sinful state. And we couldn't do anything for ourselves. And it was your grace and your mercy that saved us. Lord, now that all of us in here have accepted your grace and your mercy. We've been saved and delivered and set free. Thank you, Lord, for the giving of your law that directs us, guides us, protects us. Today, Lord, we honor you, and your law truly is sweeter than honey from a honeycomb. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.